What's up, guys? It's Monday, November 25th, 2019. It's been a while since I sat down on a Monday to record, but you know, these things, uh, these things happen. Things happen when, uh, when, uh, you're on leave and you, and you have, a you're raising a, a two-month-old now. A two-month-old, dude. Two months. Crazy. I've had some time to reflect on that, and in fact, I posted it in a new database blog post maybe you saw it maybe you didn't but it's on fritzcastdatabase.wordpress.com link in the description uh reflecting on um well we reflected on two months on november 12th it's now november 25th this week is thanksgiving week we're going to talk a little bit about what i'm thankful for it's going to it's going to be like a two-parter Episode. I haven't decided whether I'm going to chop it in half and do it in two parts, or or just give you the whole schmucks dinner right up front, the whole smorgasbord, and then some. Uh, but there's there's a lot for me to be thankful for, a lot of reflection to do at Thanksgiving time. We'll get into that in a little bit, though. But uh, I, you know, I've been very blessed to have parental leave and be able to use it as I wish to use it as I want to use it and um it's been it was great to get like you know a month off uh you know fuck it we're gonna gonna start with the thankful bit first you know Thanksgiving is coming up this week and uh Thanksgiving very important to me at least anyway maybe not to everybody uh, Thanksgiving is a very important holiday, and it's not just because of the fact that you can stuff your face and uh, serve one of those seven deadly sins of uh, what was it, gluttony. <laughs> that's not uh, that's not why I want to get down and, and talk about uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, trying to figure where I should start with this. Um. Every every Thanksgiving is important to me because it's a time to reflect on the things that you're thankful for. Things that I think people don't do often enough in their lives, in their day-to-day lives. I'm serious. I don't think people do this enough. You go on the internet, you go on Twitter, Facebook if you're a boomer. Okay, boomer. Uh, YouTube, what have you. The different social medias you can go on. There's lots of people complaining. Lots of things to complain about, lots of complaining going on. Over different things. Not saying that any of it is warranted or unwarranted. But the amount of complaining that you see go on makes you really wonder how many people are actually stopping and, like, you know, counting their blessings, so to speak. Like, you know, for me, everybody, I guess, views it probably a little bit differently or whatever. But for me, a blessing is the fact that I woke up in the morning. For real. The fact that I woke up and here's another day that I'm alive. That I'm breathing. And, uh, you know, I guess to add some perspective and some depth to this without revealing, like, too, too much, you know, I'm a normal dude. I'm a layman. Um, people might... 
people might sit here and think like, oh, this guy's a libertarian. He's a he's some kind of a rich guy. He's got he's got some kind of claim to stake in not liking and being vehemently against the government and uh, <clears throat> and opposing things like taxes and things like that. No, I'm a layman. I, I literally am a layman. I have you know I, I went to college for four years. Uh, I have my bachelor's degree in communications from Colorado State University. And with that degree, I also have, you know, uh, you know, probably not like an insane amount of student loan debt, but I have probably the average, maybe a little bit above the average or standard debt that most Americans get from taking out, from filling out a FAFSA and getting, you know, guaranteed government money to go to the school. It's a choice that I made. It was a personal choice that I made. And um, at times, at times, I, I look at that and I regret it because I'll, I'll log into my fedloan.org or whatever and I'll look at that number and I'll just go, you know, man, because I can't hardly make a debt, debt in it right now because of uh, other financial mistakes like credit cards and loans and other things like that. You know, so sometimes I look at that. Some people say, well, why don't you support, you know, Elizabeth Ward or, uh, you know, one of these other Democrats that are saying that uh, they would just wipe away your student debt? Well, it's because I'm a realist. I I happen to know that there's consequences to the government doing that and that also the government just can't poof out money. It's going to come from taxes. It's going to come from taxes, and it's not just taxing the top tenth of one percent now, is it, Bernie? Of course it is. It's taxing the top tenth. Of one percent, not even the top tenth of one percent. The top tenth of one percent, one tenth of the top tenth of one percent, is what now you're stealing comedy bits from other people. You know. I digress, but Bernie, stay on the line. We're gonna have you chime in in a little bit because we have to talk about that 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 sham of a debate. <laughs> that's that's what we have to talk about in a little bit. Will you? Do you mind staying on the line for me? I'm here for you. I cannot wait to dive in and talk about that. I'll take a back seat right now. I have like a podcast of my own to do. So, well, thank you. But the point is, is that I, you know, I, I don't expect somebody in the government to wave a magic wand and, and eliminate that debt, and there, for there not to be some kind of, of you know other consequences that aren't being talked about. Uh, so, does it suck? It does suck. Does it mean that it's insurmountable and I won't ever get the opportunity to, uh, you know, pay that off? No. It's not. Patience is a virtue. But, you know what? That is what it is. Because uh, within the next year and the next tax return, or should I say theft return, uh, I should, me and my wife should be able to stabilize a lot of the other finance, finances and... Uh, you know, therein is one blessing, because right now my wife doesn't go to work. Right now my wife is a stay-at-home mother, um, caring for our do- our daughter, and um, that there was a lot of decision making that went into that. And before anybody, before anybody like, before any radical feminist comes on and goes, you know, oh my God, here's a guy who is promoting the patriarchy and made his wife stay at home. No, no, not at all. The original plan was for my wife to go back to work, except when we sat down, calculated the finances and the cost of childcare, which my wife works in childcare, mind you, 
we did uh, th- we did the math, and uh, practically every dollar that she earned would just go back into our daughter being in daycare. And our feeling on that was my wife's as a, a, a special opinion on that was why am I going to put our kid in daycare so that I can work to make money when every dime is going to go into her care at daycare and I can't provide it at daycare because of the rules. So why don't I just stay at home because then I can raise her directly and while I'm not making any money, almost literally every dime would have gone to her being in school, thus nullifying the point of her going to work. That was my wife's take on it. And we just so happened to be lucky enough that uh, my job, plus a little bit of overtime here and there, uh, can help us manage to do that. Which, guess what? I see that as a blessing. I I really do. I see that as a blessing. Uh, Not in disguise. It means I have to put in some extra work sometime. But I can... I can muster it up and do it, you know. You know, it's just one of the things that you have to do, and it's another thing that I'm thankful for, or at least I consider it somewhat, somewhat of a blessing. Because my, because of my job, because of my work, uh, you know, we have very good health benefits. We we spent nearly zero dollars in the whole going through my wife's entire pregnancy, including the birth of our child. Um, virtually didn't spend any money out of pocket. Um, some people would like to argue and talk about how <laughs> paying for the health insurance itself and, and all that it racked up costs and added up and all that, but uh, I'm still very happy to spend every dime that I've spent on the health care that we have so far, uh, even if it means that we didn't have all that money coming home. We had some pretty damn good health care. And still do. And it is one of the perks of my job. One of the few tried and true perks that come with the job. Which, again, I'm thankful that I have a job that provides such good benefits in that case. I really am. Then, um, you know, this this whole story actually with, with, with um, getting pregnant and having my daughter and all that... Um, it it started, it started back nearly, not, well not nearly a year ago. A year ago almost is is when we figured out that it was happening. But for four years straight, we, my wife and I, tried to get pregnant, and it it did not work out. It was not working out, and so we went to Reproductive Associates of Delaware, and. We had, you know, we had that that serious conversation of something's wrong, something's not working, something's not right, and how can we figure out what the problem is and how to fix the problem and and move forward and and hopefully get pregnant, which which is a scary place to be if if you're a couple that has been there that's there right now, uh, or you haven't faced that question yet and it pops up. I mean, it, it can be. It can be a very, it's very weird, but, uh, you know, it can be a, a, a scary place to be in coming to 
terms with certain realities. And so we were going through next phase testing and all this stuff after four years of trying and failing. And it became rather, you know, heartbreaking. It, it did. It became, it became something that was horrendous. Honestly, for my wife. My wife really, truly wanted to get pregnant and, and have a kid. And I did, you know, I did too. I came from a very religious upbringing with, with large family. And while I stripped, while I stepped away from, you know, some of the religious aspects and, and church, quote unquote, that's a very complicated subject that we're not going to go into right now. But while I stepped away from a lot of that, a lot of, uh, a lot of core stuff I kept in me and, and wanting to have a family was one of them. And Watching how it affected my wife was uh, very, it was a very trying thing. And to go hand in hand to reproductive associates and, and face the possibility that what we wanted might not come to be, you know, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And we worked with Rad for a little bit. We were doing next phase testing, and then all of a sudden, boom. You know, next thing we know, January 1st, 2019, uh, we take a pregnancy test and it's positive, and we take a blood test shortly thereafter, and it's confirmed, and then this whirlwind happened. This whirlwind of the last year happened. And, you know, I t- t- taking a step back, there's a lot that I'm just thankful for. Thankful that my wife had a happy healthy pregnancy, thankful that we had little to no complications whatsoever, so, so thankful that my wife had, I'm not going to say a painless delivery because it was 27 hours of back labor, that's very, very painful, but aside from that, there were there was little complication that followed or that was during the pregnancy and the actual labor and delivery itself. So thankful for that. And 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 one of the most thankful things guys that I that I for real will always remain probably the top thankful thing in my life. If not, I mean, you know, I hate trying to rank these things. I think it's stupid trying to rank these things. But uh, when I held my little girl in my arms after that delivery um you know i swear my wife needed to my wife needed to take a shower you know and needed to cool off and so that left me and this little girl uh in in our delivery room which was very homey by the way at a birth center it's very homey feel very laid back and excellent professional people that just care about you, care about the birth of your child. Awesome professionals. Number one moment in my life was, I mean, amidst all that, helping my wife through her, her labor, through the birth. She went off to take a shower, and I'm holding this little girl um, by myself in the room, and uh, just over, overwhelmed 
with emotion. And I mean, it's it's really hard to put it to words. It's really hard to describe. But uh, I mean, just this whole feeling of gratitude, of of love, of uh, hope, a, a bunch of different things all combined washed over me. I mean, I, I bawled my eyes out. I'm not going to lie to you. Bawled my eyes out holding this little girl in, in the room by myself. And um, it was just a beautiful moment. And I'll never, ever forget it. And it's number one most thankful thing uh, of, of my year. And I've had a pretty big year, including a, a promotion, a pretty big, significant promotion pay bumps, uh, this podcast, this podcast and the networking, I've networked and and linked up with so many of you guys, I've had two, I've been invited to two different podcasts for interviews and done them, never in a million years would I think somebody would invite me onto their show to talk, (laughs) but two invites, and then I have, uh, I have a, a queue of people that are ready to come on Fritzcast, I'm just knocking out when I want to do that and taking that leap because once I take that leap I mean we're in full course you just can't do one interview and leave it at that and then never do an interview again or only do them every every rip stitch or whatever like if you're going to dive in you're going to dive in so you know I, I'm I'm thankful for everybody every one of you that's listening I'm thankful for everybody that's reached out to me on Twitter on Facebook Instagram whatever method or mode that you use to reach out. Uh, thankful for people like Stephen Ignoramus and Call Me Ignorant. He was the first person ever to invite me onto his show for a discussion. And I think we discussed, I think we had a, a very long discussion on a plethora of topics for like over an hour. And and Ed from Ed's World Podcast uh, inviting me and inviting me on, and, and I think we had an hour, maybe even an hour and a half discussion on a variety of different topics. Just amazing to network with these people. Uh, and I believe they're, I believe they're affiliated with Freedom Scoop. Uh, my friend Brian Nichols, while we haven't interviewed each other yet, which I'm sure is coming down the pike, you know, I can tell you, I'm trying to, uh, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping to get Brian Nichols on this. But Brian Nichols opened me up to We Are Libertarians, another great podcasting network with a lot of different people, a lot of different content going on there. You know, uh, Larry Sharp and the Sharp Way connecting with them. You know, that there's there's been a lot. There's been a lot to be thankful for. And then there's just the fact that sometimes you have to wake up, realize you have a roof over your head, you have a car that starts, you have a daughter or a son... Uh, you have a wife, or a, you have a wife, a husband, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a significant other of some kind. You have a job. You can eat food. You got food. Maybe you have health care. You know, maybe you don't. I don't know. But sometimes you do have to take all the simple things in stride. I'm not doing everything I want to do in life right now. I'm really not. I'm really not. Aside from. This podcast and writing, my job is just my, my job. That's what I do for money, and I need money. Am I at the point where I truly enjoy it and it fulfills my life? I mean, you know, come on, that's a lifelong journey. 
that takes a long time to get to. But it doesn't mean I can't be thankful for the million and a half other things I have to be thankful for. Everybody, seriously, it's Thanksgiving week. Take that time to really, truly analyze the positive things, the positive impact in your life. Just do it. Sit down and write them down if you need to. Do what my doofus brother-in-law Dave did every year at Thanksgiving where we would sit down at my mom's, in my mom's house, at my mom's dining room table with most of, or at least a large collection of, the immediate family at the table. There's Doofy Dave. <laughs> There's Doofy Dave in the middle. All right, let's go around and say everything that we're thankful for and put everybody on the spot, even though we knew it was coming. Put us on the spot and make us say something that we were thankful for. Thank, I'm thankful for Doofy Dave. All right. Dave, that is a term of endearment, your nickname that I gave you, Doof, Doofus Dave. You, you, you've earned that nickname for the years that you tortured me as a child. But you started something that I, I hope to continue as a tradition of sorts every year on this podcast. And I hope, I hope that you listeners out there are willing to extend, because next year I'm going to be coming at you, the listeners, to see what you're thankful for. Because I want to incorporate that. I want to hear what you're thankful for. I, I Even though it's not going to be in this show right now, I want you to DM, tweet me, Facebook message me, or email me. Things that you're thankful for. I just want to read what people are thankful for. I need some positivity in this mad, mad world of, of social media bullcrap you know, negativity uh, of attacks and, and belittling people. I don't need any of that crap. We're, we're, we're at Thanksgiving. Two things at Thanksgiving. One, being thankful for things. And two, stuffing your face full of freaking turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and all that crap. All right? That's the two things that, that we got for Thanksgiving. So, Thanksgiving. Be thankful for something. God damn it. All right? Seriously. Don't be like this dude on Twitter. His name is Tony Poznaski. Poznanski Artist This is his bio Artist, nice, and sells sports cards Lost 190 pounds this year and will compete in bodybuilding Now, good for good for you His tweet the other day On the 23rd Quote, I will be changing my Wi-Fi password to Impeach45 this Thursday So that my MAGA family members have to put that in their devices To have some of my delicious Wi-Fi And the thing is, is that I could take that, I would be okay with that if it was a joke. If it was a joke. But that's the type of person, there, there's people out there who will actually do that just to piss people off at Thanksgiving time. It's a family fucking gathering. Seriously. You're supposed to, f first off, I'll tell you what mine is. I'll tell you what my Wi-Fi password is on Thanksgiving. Uh, and I tweeted this out as well. Mine is, we're turning off the fucking Wi-Fi and putting the phone down because it's a family gathering and the internet can take a backseat for a couple of hours. Which is true. Let's be honest. Everybody can take a backseat and get off of Twitter for like, you know, four fucking hours on Thursday. Like, it's not going to be that hard to do. It's definitely not that hard to do when you go to a family gathering, <laughs> if you like your family. If you don't like your family, eh, I don't know what to tell you. But if you like your family, my God, even if you don't like your family, uh, does everybody... Absolutely, unequivocally, 100% love and enjoy everything about their family? No. 
No. Come on. No. No. But you love your family, even if they get on your nerves. So, people who would change their Wi-Fi password to Impeach45 just to piss off their own family members, I mean, whatever. You're petty, you're stupid, and it's dumb. But mine is, get off the fucking phone for like just four hours. That's it. That's it. You don't need to take pictures of what you're eating for Thanksgiving. We're all eating the same goddamn thing. That being said, we've had a plethora of hearings this past week uh, with the Donald Trump impeachment. We've had, like, you know, Solon testifying. We've had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. That's Lieutenant Colonel Vindman to you, plebe. He testified. A bunch of other people testified. And here's the thing. I've pretty much unabashedly said and, and stuck with this line. If you watch more than than... 15 minutes consecutively of any hearing by the government. Literally, if you watch any more than 15 minutes consecutively. All right, you can watch 15 minutes and then take a break and go back and watch another 15 minutes. You can watch these little highlight packages. They're condensed and all that. That's fine. But if you watch more than 15 minutes consecutively, you are a psychopath. Okay, and if you watch all the hours of it, like most of the news people do, most of the pundits and the talking heads and, and, and uh, commentators, if you watch all the hours of, of these hearings, you're inhuman. You are. You, you, absolutely, you absolutely are. Not to say that legitimate things haven't been brought up in these hearings, but for the most part, they are a uh, spectacle of sorts. They're, a, uh, they're, a, they're theater, political theater, if you will, uh, for sound bites and all this other crap going on. Um. One podcast that I believe brilliantly highlights some of the madness. Sorry about the uh, the, the the banging and the roughhousing and, and all that crap. I apologize. I'm a little disheveled in doing this today. Um, what is the name of that podcast? Ah, yes, yes, yes. The Individual One Podcast by Global Story Network, hosted by John Ziegler. Also somebody who is... <laughs> I love John Ziegler, and I'm thankful for John Ziegler. And maybe, maybe one day I can reach out and have him and interview him on FritzCast. Maybe, who knows? I don't know. No guarantees. as a busy guy. But he hosts this Individual One podcast, which is... Um, How do I summarize the the individual one podcast? It's like a weekly follow-up to everything that's going on with the impeachment process. And one of the things that he said, for everybody that's screaming that, you know, the, the Democrats, for example, are trying to overthrow a legitimately elected government, and it's tyrannical and all this other crap, John Ziegler shut out argument on this. I forget what episode it was. Sorry, John, but I do. You have like seventy-four of those episodes, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna try to tackle what episode I heard you say it in. But everybody's saying, "Oh, this is tyrannical." The tyrannical Democrats, blah blah blah. My brother is one of these people, by the way. One of my brothers, not the police officer brother, although he he might. Be, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about this at at depth. But my other brother is very much the Democrats are tyrannical. Uh, trying to overthrow a legitimately elected government, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of diehard MAGA people who are like this too. And at the end of the day, it's a dumb argument. It is absolutely stupid 
argument to try to bring up because, number one, impeachment does not mean removal. Everybody has this, uh, so many people have this mental link that impeachment means removal. Talk to Bill Clinton about whether or not impeachment means removal. It's not that, not that hard. Not that hard to figure out at all. <laughs> but to say that it's tyrannical and trying to overthrow a government, listen. Say they did find Donald Trump guilty and did suggest removing him. Number one, it is a Republican-controlled Senate which is where this would go. This bad boy would go to the Senate for a vote. And considering how diehard loyal the GOP has, has, has forced their people to be towards God Emperor Trump, I think your uh, prospects of him getting removed are a little on the slim side. Just throwing that out there. Number two, even if they did remove Trump, you do realize that then Mike Pence automatically becomes president. Automatically. Automatically. In secession. When you voted for Donald Trump, you voted for Trump slash Pence. It's one of the things about our voting system that I don't necessarily wholly agree with because Trump picked his running mate. Trump, mind you, Trump handpicked Mike Pence. He handpicked Mike Pence, not at the suggestion of the GOP of the GOP either. He picked Mike Pence. So when you voted for Trump, you voted for Pence as well. And if Trump gets removed, Pence goes up. Pence goes up and becomes president of the United States. Pence. So the regime did not change. Who was in the top seat of that regime? That changed. But the regime didn't change. All the senators and all your representatives that you already voted for that are in play, they don't change either. So it's not really overthrowing a government. That's not, that's not what's going on here. And if that's the way that you see it, you're thinking way too one-dimensionally on this thing. Now, you could go the other route, in which I've heard people say, Oh, Mike Pence was complicit. Everybody was complicit. Didn't you hear the one guy in his testimony? He said, everybody knew. I think it was Solond. He said, everybody knew. Everybody knew what the deal was. That means the whole administration needs to go. Everybody. Impeach everybody. I don't know how that works out. (laughs) I really don't know how that works out. But still, it is not overthrowing an entire government. All right? And 2020 is going to be the telling election cycle, for real. Because 2016, that was clearly America's, like, you know, 60% of the people, by the way, 60%, I think, of eligible voters did not vote. Which, when everybody talks about, oh, the the voice of the people, the voice of the people, the, the, the people are split in the thirds right now. A third are diehard Republican, a third are diehard Democrat, and then another third says, screw this shit. It's not working, and I'm not participating. So, to say that we are united and we don't have a lot of differences, to, to steal from Pete Booty Judge and talking about that first day that the sun rises at the end of uh, Donald Trump's presidency in America, a line that sounds very tired and rehearsed and drawn out of my fellow Americans about how dreams are like our children. Yes. 
I made that comparison. I did make that comparison. You can fault me 100% for it. That tired line of Pete Booty Judgment. <laughs> he says it. He says it every debate. He says it every debate, and he does say it a lot um, during rallies and stuff as, as well. <laughs> he goes into this line. That first day that the sun rises after Donald Trump's presidency in America, that's a new day in America. I can't do a Pete Booty Judge. He doesn't have like a very imitatable voice, as others do, which I will you know get into in a second. But um. So what's going to be telling is the is the 2020 elections, though, because the 2016 was kind of like this rejection of uh, political correctness, almost, uh, you could say. Um, but still, we had 60%, I think, of eligible voters. I think that was the number, 60%. If not, it was close to that ballpark, choosing not to vote at all. And then um, 2018, we were supposed to have this big blue wave, and all they did was really flip the House of Representatives and start these impeachment things, but it not significant in any stretch of the imagination of, of a blue wave that's been going on. And then you have these debates that are going on. These these debates where at, at this juncture, I'm not sure where the Republican debate stood uh, at this time with, with Donald Trump, uh, but I can tell you 10 candidates for, for the Democrats is still is an awful lot. Really when they only have a top four contenders at this point. They have Biden, Warren, uh, Sanders, and um, and in in very far toe behind those three, uh, you know, that would be uh, Mayor Pete Booty Judge. Those are your top four, for real. Kamala Harris has has fallen off. She she never really even had the steam or, or the luster for this race. Uh, Cory Booker is is. Spartacus, and, and honestly, every time Cory Booker speaks, I think of Kermit the Frog, because really, I think this is how Cory Booker, you know, speaks and talks to people about his message, you know, and then, you know, like, it, it really, it really needs to be a knockout fight between Joe Biden leading the pack still, even with digs of Donald Trump and... and Hints of corruption and all that. He's still at the top. Um, Elizabeth Warren is actually Elizabeth Warren is in many cases pulling higher than than our friend Bernie Sanders. Who uh, Bernie? Are you are you there? Are you there, Bernie? I'm I'm experiencing uh, a very technical uh, uh, diff. I'm going through a tunnel. Now, honestly, I'm experiencing technical difficulties at this point too. So I'm getting ready to wrap it up. That's okay, Bernie. We'll catch you next week. I'm sure, uh, but in many cases, Elizabeth Warren is is leading Bernie Sanders in those things, and then Pete Booty Judge in some polling in some states is actually leading the pack, surprisingly. But as, aside from those four names, I don't see any of these other people do, making any of impact whatsoever. And I like Tulsi Gabbard being on that stage and poking the bear with a stick and, and getting all this unjust. Uh, focus and criticism thrown her way because the Democratic establishment doesn't want her in play. I think it's very telling. And by the way, these debates—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're skepticals, man. They're, they're not. This isn't. This isn't a case of 
of tried and true democracy at play here, I don't think. Uh, I think a lot of it is is controlled by the DNC and the networks over who gets the most time, and it appears like it's democratic, but it's not wholly democratic, if you know what I mean. And maybe we can dive into that a little bit more in-depth in a future episode, but right now I want you to take this episode. Guys, I hope you liked it. I hope that you have a good Thanksgiving this week. And I hope to have some announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I might get an episode of Fritzcast in before the end of this week, actually. Uh, it might come Friday or the weekend. It's yet to be determined yet. I don't want to make any promises or, or anything like that. But guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast, FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email because you're shy and you can't handle social media. It's fine. And then uh, FritzCastDatabase.wordpress.com for the blog. Remember, I love you guys. And if I had two pieces of advice for you, check out John Ziegler's podcast, The Individual One. And uh, also, check out this. Todd Hagopian was part of an LNC chair debate. I'll stick that in the show notes here of where you can watch that. It's on YouTube. We can watch it. He actually debated some of the other LNC chair hopefuls in a very eye-opening, uh, informative, and fruitful debate that I thought was very important. And I think that if you have interest in the Libertarian Party and who might be chairing it in the very near future, I think it's very important that you take a listen to it. I'll link that in the description. Guys, I love you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I love you, and I'll see you soon.